I've been waiting 23 years to say that. All right, we're going to get ready for the sex is scary sex. episode. Oh. <laughs> well, it's kind yeah. of, yeah, we're good. We're not getting ready for sex necessarily, but we're getting ready for the, the sex is scary episode. We're going to go for we're like a roll in the hay or whatever weird other terms they used in this. Like, yep. Because I couldn't say sexual intercourse. Yep, because it was 1994. Broadcasting live from a pre-coronavirus <laughs> apocalypse world. It is the FBI's most unwanted. I'm Matt. I'm Justin. And in a few weeks, everyone's going to be like, oh, remember when everyone thought the world was going to end because of the coronavirus? And they're going to be like, yeah. I don't even drink Coronas. <laughs> yeah, that joke's not going to get old or anything. <laughs> I know, right? Oh. And we are here to talk about Season 1, Episode 14, The Gender... Actually, there's no the, but it makes me think of the uh, episode of Futurama. The Gender Bender. Yep, this episode is just called Gender Bender. Uh, it's written by Larry and Paul Barber, and it's directed by Rob Bowman, and it originally aired in January 21st, 1994. And this episode, like I said, it's the Sex is Scary episode. This episode kind of deals with... Um, adjusting to the uh, changing sexual landscape and gender norms of the early 1990s. And we'll talk about that as we go along. <laughs> oh boy, especially, well, I'll get there. So anyway, the, uh, the episode opens on like a club scene and like a, a cold open pulls right in uh, on an eye and some pulsing lights and that club music and lots of sexy people are dancing and there's uh, somebody in a cage dancing and that kind of shit. And finally we end up uh, seeing a sexy man at a bar talking to a sexy woman and the sexy woman walks away and a new woman approaches the sexy man and she doesn't say anything. She just grabs his hand and starts kind of like rubbing his hand and they do this little kiss thing. And in the very next scene, they're having some sex. And in 1994 on Fox television, women didn't get naked for sex. They wore their teddies. Yeah. <laughs> Which is always kind of a funny thing when you see people like on television mostly clothed having sex it's always such it's such a weird visual but i guess as long hey, some people are just like that yeah i guess as long as your bits can touch i guess it doesn't matter if you anyway <laughs> it's really the end of the sex and of course the man really enjoyed it as the man normally do as the men normally do am i right oh <laughs> what Oh, I'm sorry, but, you know, yeah, the old stereotype that. of, like, the man gets to come and go, oh, that was so awesome, oh, it was so good, was it as good for you as it was for me, you know, and 
that old stereotype and he's doing that thing he's like oh god that was so good oh i love oh that was so awesome and she gets up and she walks into the bathroom and she doesn't say anything and we start to hear the the heartbeat noise which normally means something's about to go very wrong the and all of a sudden the man is like oh god oh and he starts screaming and he's in pain and he clutches his throat and then blood foam starts coming right out of his mouth which is pretty good visual i thought which is also uh, a sex thing i mean oh. for some people maybe yes <laughs> and anyway uh then we focus in on the woman after the man is dead and it uh pans down uh the woman's body and she starts to get undressed and then when we get to focusing on her feet she has huge hobbit feet they're really big and so then she walks out Way of the to judge. What's that? Way to judge. I am judging her. If I, dude, look, I'm not picky about my women, but if there was like a huge foot thing going on, I'd be a little bit put off. Like it would be weird. She had huge feet. <laughs> um. Anyway, she walks out of the bathroom and we pan up the body and she's a man now. <laughs> That's the big twist. This woman is a man now. <laughs> nothing to add huh okay i mean i kind of figured it out like i was like when they're paying at the fee i'm like okay it's like a changeling kind of deal or something because you're gonna turn into a man okay okay and then so obviously we get the opening credits and then it's a crime scene and there's a cop there telling scully and Mulder all about the crime from the opening and he's like but here's the weird part like and the security video shows this man going into his room with a woman. And then right after midnight, a man comes out. And we never saw the man come in. And we never saw the woman leave. But she's not here. So, like, super weird. And in the meantime, Mulder is scraping the pink foam off the side of the dead guy's mouth. And the cop is like, well, this dude just had a massive heart attack. He blew an artery. It must have been some, must have been some, some time in the sack or something. He says like that. Yeah. It's a, it's like the phrasings of this thing is ridiculous. I know, right? And so Scully's like, oh, and here's where we get into like the changing sexual norms of the nineties because Scully says, Oh, it's hard to imagine this day and age someone having sex with a perfect stranger. And I'm like, oh my god, now all anybody does is have sex with perfect strangers. That's what Tinder is yeah. and Grinder. <sighs> back in the good old days. Well, and back then, like in the late 80s, early 90s, it was also the aid, the height of the AIDS scare, pretty much, I think is also yeah. part of it. Um and then Mulder notices this guy's body is, like, all scratched up. And Scully's like, I don't even know what we're doing here. And the cop is like, really? Because the FBI is the one that wanted to know about cases like this. And Mulder's like, oh, yeah, that was me. Thanks for calling. And um, turns out the reason he was looking for this specific crime exactly is because there's been five murders just like this between Boston and Maryland uh, two women, three men, all of them young, all in good health, but they all died of massive heart attacks. And Scully is like, is it drugs? And Mulder's like, oh, yeah, the oldest drug, pheromones. 
And Scully's like, you mean like the things that animals produce that make them want to mate? And Scully's like, Scalder. <laughs> Scalder, I love it. And Mulder's like, oh yeah, like, uh, you know, only these ones had human DNA. So that means the killer is a walking aphrodisiac, the ultimate sex magnet. That's exactly what he says. He says that and I'm just like, what? what's happening right the now? The ultimate <laughs> sex magnet. And so it's Scully, uh, Scully's like, he, uh, maybe he or she, you have victims of both sexes, both a man and a woman on the security footage. And Mulder's like, yep, that's a puzzle. So clearly the FBI in 1994 was baffled by the possibility of bisexuals or transgender people. <laughs> Like, there's no way the killer could be a man and have sex with both men and women. <laughs> what? That's a thing? Fuck that. God, or be a woman and have sex with men and women. Or yeah. could be a man what? dressed like a woman. Or a woman dressed like a man. Clearly, none of these were options to the FBI in 1994. Uh, I was doing some research, and they did... Uh, some critics did say that this episode was a little bit like... Um, what did they call? Uh, let me pull it up right here. I have the reception kind of like, um, I guess like a little bit backwards in their thinking, but also I guess at the time it was probably a little bit forward in its thinking, um, in terms of, um, the idea of like, these are the changing norms of, I don't know. It was just something I was reading about. I can't find it now. I thought I had it pulled up on my browser, but I don't. So never mind. It was, I got, I know what you mean though. Like basically it's like, it could go either way. Yeah. It could be a little, um, uh, transphobic, I guess, but also at the same time, because I mean, the bad guy is a, I guess it's not a real trans person. It's an alien that changes sexes. Spoilers. Yeah. But I guess that kind of could make it transphobic in a way. I don't know. It's weird. It's just one of those weird things. But um, so anyway, basically what it comes down to is now that he realizes um, – Or no, Scully realizes she's like, oh, so basically what you're saying is uh, we have no profile of our killer. Our profile is indeterminate height, weight, and sex, and unarmed but extremely attractive. Yep. <laughs> Which I thought was pretty funny because I'm like, hey, being extremely attractive could be considered armed and dangerous. It's very true. Um. And Mulder's like, no, wait, hold on. It gets even weirder because the very first murder happened in this place called Steveston, Massachusetts, which is home to this Amish-like group of people called the Kindred who, like, make this pottery out of this very specific type of clay that is only found near where they live. And they make the pottery themselves. And, oh, by the way, I found this clay on the dead guy's body. <laughs> and so, of course... So, of course, they go to Steveson and they find some of these local people who have pictures of these kindred people all over their store. And Mulder's checking them out. And 
notices uh, one of the pictures kind of looks like the woman that fucked the guy to death in the cold open, but Mulder doesn't know that. We know that. Um, yeah. And some kin- some of these kindred people who are just Amish people, really, come into town, and they Mulder and Scully go to try to talk to them, and uh, Scully stays outside while Mulder follows the rest of them into the feed store, and there's this one weird guy there who she's like, oh, hi, how are you? And he doesn't say anything. And so she like starts petting his horse with him. And finally he talks to her when she asks questions about the horse and she introduces herself. She's like, hi, I'm Dana Scully. And she sticks out her hand to, you know, do a handshake. And he (coughs) grabs her hand and he starts like creepily rubbing his thumb over her hand while he's got and boy did watching that make me uncomfortable i'm like that is it that whole that was like uh like i don't know if it was like a way they played their hand a little too much because mm-hmm. we'll get into it later yeah uh but when they started doing that i'm like okay so that's obvious that that's being used uh, like whatever technique that well, is right because she does start to get hypnotized by him sort of and like enchanted by him or whatever but right when he first starts doing it, like, that's a real, like, creepy guy thing to do. When it, yeah. When I'm like, ew, he's like an incel. <laughs> he's like... It's so weird. Ugh. Um, and so they all come out, and it breaks the spell, and we find out that this weird guy is Brother Andrew, and they all leave, and Scully finally says, all right, there's something up here. And Mulder's like, yeah, I've been saying that for years. (laughs) Like, she finally realizes that something is weird. So they drive into the woods to go find the kindred. And they get lost in the woods. But suddenly all the kindred surround them. And they're like, you need to give up your guns, which is already pretty weird. And they're like, "Uh, I don't know if we want to give up our guns. And there's a whole bunch of religious babble about how like guns aren't welcome here. We know you're trying to find a killer, but we don't even believe in guns. You have to leave your guns behind. So how could there be a killer here if we're making you leave your guns? And it's it's so ass backwards. Like the whole thing. I was just like, I'm very confused what's happening right now. Mm -hmm. Cause first of all, they're like, they're like, yeah, we're here investigating murder. We just want to, we want to talk. And they're like, we have no interest in this. Like, we already know about mm-hmm. it. But we have no interest in it. And I'm just like, wait, what? Well, I mean, it is. I mean, I'm gonna keep calling them Amish-like because they are yeah. clearly based on the Amish, only made creepier than the Amish. But the Amish are already kind of creepy. I don't know if you've ever been to Amish country, but there's just something a little. I have not. I have uh, out in Pennsylvania. Um, they make really good food, but it's still a little weird that they're all just kind of hanging around backwards like that and being super Jesus-y, but, um, they're not going to hear this, so what do I care if I make fun of them? (laughs) Um... By the way, I stole that joke from John Panette. I should give credit where credit's due. Uh, the comedian John Panette always said, I try to be nice to everybody. I always try to only make fun of myself. I never make fun of anybody else. Except the Amish, but they're never going to see my show, so what do I care? <laughs> <laughs> um, <clears throat> so they finally give up their guns, and they go into the kindred settlement, and it's all Amishy, and they see Brother Andrew, and they go into the big house to the big dinner table, and one man at the end of the table is very sick. He's over there being like, 
<laughs> it's like, I don't want to eat dinner with that guy. He's got the coronavirus. But, um, and so, but everybody seems to be ignoring the fact that he's super sick and they have their prayer and everything. And Brother Andrew keeps staring <coughs> at Scully like a creeper. Um, I mean, that's how I stare at most women, just in general, <laughs> from a distance. Like a creeper? Just like a creeper. Just be like, please just notice okay. me. <laughs> you know what? You're probably right. I've, I've been known to be a starer as well. I don't mean to. I just It just happens. I don't mean to either. It just happens. <laughs> it just happens. Um, yeah. I don't know how to talk to women. Yeah, I still don't know how I'm married. I don't know how to talk to women either. Um, an argument, arguing, arguing... Clearly, the super religious people don't want them there. Arguing, arguing. Brother Will, some guy named Brother Wilson gets very upset and more yelling. And I'm skipping over most of this because eventually the sick man starts like choking. And Scully's like, "Oh my God, he's choking!" And they're like, "Nope, just let him be." And Scully's like, "No, he's like he he like can't breathe." And she like jumps up to like go help him, and they stop her. And they're like, "You're not here to interfere. Take him out of here." And the choking guy gets taken away and brother Andrew's just like, don't worry, we take care of our own, which is okay, fine. They just take a choking guy away. But um, then we go back to a club scene and more sexy people dancing. Which, by the way, um, the club scenes are always like, I've never been to a club like that where there's like women in cages. And, I know they, I've but, heard they exist. Uh, You've been I I thought Jumbo's clown room was like that. No. I mean, I've been to clubs not with the cages, but I have been to clubs kind of like that, but not with the cages. So I don't know. I don't, I don't go to clubs very often. Me. There was like one club I used to go to a lot and even then I'm just like there's no cages. I've never been to a place where there's a cage. No. Nope. Only with the uh, only a club with a oh god <laughs> a silly dancing Mexican man. Yep. Oh. And guys, that's not he was dancing the most silly I've ever seen anybody dance. That it, it oh my god, Matt could not get his stu- could could not have a straight face. He had to leave to laugh. I did have to leave to laugh. He was dancing so funny. It was great, and he was nothing against him. He was having the time of his life. It was no good for him. Right. He was it, really going for it. It was just at that moment in time. It just struck me as so amusing. I couldn't help it. Um, so. Oh, and yeah, back at the club, there's like another scene with sexy people and uh, a man meets a hot woman and asks her to dance. And she's like, nah, I don't want to dance right now. So he grabs her hand and rubs it with his thumb, kind of like Brother Andrew did to Scully. And all of a sudden she wants to dance. And so then we go back to the, the Amish place and the kindred are like, you got to go away now. Go. There's the path back to your car. Just leave. And so they do. And Mulder makes a joke that I actually thought was really funny. He says, the Adams family found religion. <laughs> yeah. Um, but Mulder points out, he goes, there's something really like, he's like, 
something was up back there. Like, they wouldn't answer any of our questions. They somehow made us answer all of their questions. And, oh, by the way, did you notice there weren't any children there? And Scully's like, yeah, that was pretty weird. And Mulder's like, I got one even weirder for you. Remember all those pictures from the 30s we were looking at? We were having dinner with some of those people. <laughs> and Scully's like, no, no, no. They've just been intermarrying for a lot of years. So they probably all just kind of look the same. And Mulder's like, I don't know. I think I'm going back. And so he turns off his lantern and sets it down and runs back. And Scully obviously goes with him. And they're sneaking around in the dark and they don't see anybody. But finally they hear some chanting. And this is where I give a lot of credit to the episode. Thing. All the stuff like around the ceremony is actually really well shot. I like that a lot. It was, I don't know. There was something about it that remind me of like other like of films I can't remember which films, but I was like, Children of the Corn meets, like, I don't mm, know. There's a little bit of just, but, yeah. it's, it's like dark, you can only see their silhouettes, there's the shadows, or the flames, and the chanting, and all that goes really well. Plus, like, the barn setting, so when they run up to the barn, and all they, we get it from the point of view of, like, looking through cracks between the boards. It looks all pretty cool. And it was really nice. So um, they all, th what's going on is they carry brother Aaron, the guy who was choking at dinner, um, into the barn and there's some kind of ritual going on and they walk through a door down into the basement and they disappear from sight from obviously looking through cracks inside the barn. And so Mulder's like, I'm going in, I'm going to go see what's in that cellar. And Scully watches him and he goes in and he starts going down into the cellar and brother Andrew finds Scully outside and he's like, come, come with me. I can tell you all about what's going on here that you want to know. <clears throat> and, uh, yeah, that's what he wants. He just wants to get at Scully. Uh. Yeah. Which honestly, I don't blame him. I want to get at Scully too. But uh. <laughs> well, she looked at me like that when she's hypnotized. Uh, um. So this is kind of like a back and forth part of the episode because now Mulder and Scully are split up, and so we see bits and pieces of what they're doing. So instead of going back and forth, I'll kind of describe both of them separately. So Mulder goes into the cave. Uh, and he goes down and he sees that they are like rubbing some kind of gunk all over brother Aaron's dead body. Sexy. Uh, yeah. It was like white. <coughs> I mean, it basically looked like they were rubbing cum all over him. Kind of. Yeah. But it was something that was coming out of like the rock. So at first I thought maybe it was this clay. It was coming out the rock. The Rock was in this? Oh, The Rock is in everything. I don't know if you knew that, but <laughs> it's just his job is to do everything. Pretty much. Um, so they're slathering all this white stuff all over him, giggity. And they carry him off into another chamber. And so Mulder goes into the first chamber and starts looking around and finds these weird holes in the wall. And one of them is covered in 
basically a condom or a balloon or something. It's like a weird membrane, and he pushes on it, and he's like, that's weird. And we'll come back to him because, meanwhile, uh, Brother Andrew brings Scully to his bedroom, giggity, <laughs> shuts them into his bedroom, creepy, First of all, that should have been like a an indicator for Sully when he's like locking the door. I know, like she's like, "Oh, here's a good place for us to hang out in this man's bed, in this strange man's bedroom." <laughs> Just excuse me while I barricade the door, and you're totally fine with this. Uh, <clears throat> but he uh, he starts to be like, "Look, I know who the killer is." Like. Uh, he was my best friend. His name was Martin. Uh, I called him Marty. Uh, he was really different. Uh, and Scully's like, well, how was he different? And she's like, well, how does he kill people? Does he poison them? And Andrew or Scully's like, well, how does he, how is he different? And yeah, Andrew says, well, I bet he poisons them. And Scully's like, how would you know that? And Andrew says, well, Look, I, I basically I just need to show you something about Marty and he pulls out all these old magazines. He's like, "Oh, I, we found these magazines back but it would have been funnier if they had been porn, but they weren't." Um, he says, "Found all these magazines by the road and like I thought they were like gaudy and salacious, but Marty like loved your world. He he thought it was awesome. So he left us to go be one of you. And so this is where back in the cave, uh Mulder is about to be find out uh, found out, but he dives into one of these holes in the wall. And outside he hears the kindred being like, "Ah, oh, the woman is back. She's up at the house with brother Andrew." And in the hole, Mulder realizes he's there with a naked man who appears to be sleeping. <laughs> um, this bit was just funny. Yep. But then back at the house, uh, Scully's like, come on, tell you said Marty was different. How is he different? And Andrew grabs her hand and he's like, Marty is different. We're all different. And he starts doing that like hand rubbing thing. And then basically he sexually assaults her. He like kisses her on the yeah straight up. Yeah, he doesn't like penetrate or anything, but he definitely starts like kissing her on the neck and like maybe rubbing her boobs. They don't show that, but I bet he was. And he pushes her down on the bed uh, because he's going to rape her. And that's when Mulder comes in and takes Scully away. And is nicer to Andrew probably than I would have been. I know. It's just like, get off of her. Okay, now we're going to leave now. You stay right you over stay there. You stay right there, Mr. Rapey. Yeah. I'm not going to do anything about this rapiness except take her away, which, okay, fine. Uh, and then outside, there's this really weird scene. Like, I actually made some comments about that. They go outside and the woman is like, I asked you not to interfere. And then there's a very long staring scene. They really, I was, I'm like, for a minute I thought my computer paused. Uh It's just like, what's happening right now? I I literally wrote right in my notes, staring commences. This is a long scene of just staring. (laughs) 
Just lots of staring. It goes on. I mean, it. it's in real time. It's probably not that long. But in terms of like you're burning film on this, it's a long time. It's several seconds. Yeah. <laughs> but finally they, they part and tell Mulder and Scully to leave. And they do. And Mulder's like, what were you doing back there? And she's like, I don't know. And then she barfs. Yeah. And then I would. Too. And then back at the club, we see a handsome man on a phone, and this won't make sense to anybody who's watching the X Files with us for the first time. But if you're a longtime X Files listener, you you immediately point at the screen and go, "Oh my God, that's Krychek!" Well, actually, it's Michael Lee who plays a character named Alex Krychek later in the series. Like this actor that is the handsome man on the phone comes back later and becomes a very important character. So I'd kind of forgotten he was in this episode before he became Krychek later on. And I was like, oh my God, it's Krychek. <laughs> so, sorry, that doesn't make sense to anybody who doesn't know who Krychek is yet. But you will. Spoilers for later, there's a character named Krychek. Um, Damn it! And so he's talking on a phone and a hot woman comes up and interrupts his phone call and like grabs his hand and off they go to have some sex. And back in Massachusetts, Mulder and Scully kind of talk a little bit about how Andrew knew who the killer was. And Mulder says what he saw in the cellar. He's like, oh, and by the way, I saw this man who looked like he was becoming a woman. And again, all I could think was transgender people are people (laughs) like it's really weird that the fact that these people can change their sex was like the strain i guess back in 1994 it wasn't but with 2020 eyes it's like this is weird you know what i mean yeah i don't know it's very bizarre like i they did a lot with like the gay community and all that stuff, they, they there definitely was a thing. Was like, nah, they're not people. They're just weird alien things. This is the only way we can figure it out. I mean, obviously, in this episode, they can change at will, which is the weird part. But eh, still, it just part of it feels it's bizarre. Yeah, part of it feels a little icky, and part of it also feels a little bit forward. Th- I don't know. It's a weird middle ground between icky and forward thinking between backwards and I don't know. It's weird. (laughs) Uh, So anyway, they go to the hospital or no, oops, sorry. I skipped ahead in my notes. Um, Basically what happens is uh, the guy who plays cry check, he's out having some sex with this woman in the car and the cop find, and uh, you know, the, the old standby, the cop comes up and goes, all right, come on, move along, get out, stop doing that because you're not allowed to have sex in parking lots and cars. Uh, and the woman gets out of the car and the guy in the car seat starts having a massive heart attack and the woman hits the officer, turns into a man and starts to run away. But the cry check dude sees that she is now a he. Kind of like at the beginning of Phantasm. Yeah. Remember when the tall man is having sex with that dude? Is yeah. The hot woman? Yeah. Boy. Yeah. Man, Phantasm. I, yeah. 
so anyway, Crycheck guy who actually his name is Michael in this episode survives his heart attack and he's giving his statement to Mulder and Scully and says, you know, he can't really remember anything that happened. And Mulder's like, come on, there had to have been something weird. And the Michael guy is like, oh, yeah, well, uh, she turned into a dude. And so Scully's like, well, apparently now we're dealing with a transvestite. And Mulder's like, no, no, I think it's just a man that can turn into a woman and vice versa. Uh, And then someone runs up to them. And by the way, this episode ends really abruptly. We're almost at the end here. And it's like about to come up on the weirdest, most abrupt ending because um, the last victim had a stolen credit card that got used in a hotel. And then we cut to Marty in his, her room saying, you know, oh, the first time I couldn't help myself, touching a human man or a woman super powerful for me uh your world off- I still really don't get wait, it wait what i like this whole bit still didn't make me like i was like i'm still really not like buying like the motive right because uh it's something about your world offers pleasures we don't understand because we're different uh and the others will punish me they'll find me because they won't leave without me and she, he has been talking to a dead man the whole time. Uh, and Sculler, Scull- Mulder and Scully rush up to the hotel room and kick in the door. And there's the dead man. And Scully gets hit from behind. And Marty. Again. What? It seems like the last couple episodes, like Scully keeps getting like hit from behind. I know. Well, it, it evens out here in a minute. Because when Marty runs out and Mulder follows, then Mulder gets hit in the face and Marty changes from a woman back into a man and then kicks Mulder in the face again just to make sure he stays down. But Scully gets up and runs past Mulder who just stays on the floor and they go down the stairs and out into the hallway and hallway alleyway. Um, and some shadows materialize on the wall. Like one second they're there. And then, sorry, I just hit my microphone. I didn't mean to. Um, one second they're there. And then the next, you know, Marty runs into Scully's view and she pulls out her gun and is like, stop. And Marty gets tackled by the kindred and brother Andrew does his weird enchanting Scully thing. But, Mulder bursts out into the alleyway and breaks the concentration and then the shadows disappear and the kindred are gone and the cops in the next scene are like, we put up all this roadblocks and stuff and no one has seen them. So they couldn't have gotten away. And Mulder's like, Oh yes, they could have. And I know where they will hide. And they all go out to the farm and they're all gone. And the cellar is cemented over. And the cop is like, come look at what we found in the field. And in the hayfield, Scully is like, how could they have disappeared? They they don't have any transportation. And Mulder's like, they don't have any earthly transportation. And they're in the middle of a big old crop circle. End episode. And that's what I mean when I say it ends very abruptly. Yeah, I was so confused. I'm like, okay. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't know. Everything felt... Or, uh, there's been a couple episodes where it felt like 
they weren't sure how to end it. But this one was just like, mm-hmm. uh, crop circle. Just put that. Yeah. In fact, that's when I was researching the episode a little bit. That was one of the major criticisms. It's like, oh, you have a very deus ex machina ending where like, oh, turns out that your bad guys were aliens and they got taken away by their UFO. End. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, that is the end of the episode, and that's that's gender bender. Thoughts, yeah. letter grade, stuff like <laughs> um, that. I liked this episode mm-hmm. for a good like for a good amount. Uh, uh, there's a lot of stuff I, I like little things, um, mm-hmm. but because of its weird like kind of abrupt ending, it's like oh they're aliens and blah 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 kind of felt so disjointed from what else was happening. Mm-hmm. Um, I give it like a B. Okay. I'm a little teeny bit lower than you, actually. I This episode's fine. There's some things about it, like I mentioned earlier, like the scenery and the... At- I skipped over a lot of the atmosphere of the episode. There are a lot of really good stuff of like the kindred in shadow standing in the woods. There's a lot of really good atmosphere to this episode, but the plot itself is a little weird and it does just bang come to an end. And so for that, I think I got to give it like a C plus. I don't think it's terrible, but I don't think it's wonderful. I think it's slightly above average. So, Anyway, uh, next week's episode, or if we even get to ne- the next episode anyway, we- presuming we get to record this. You're just trying to make another coronavirus joke? No, no. I was actually trying to, because I'm thinking I have a long work week coming up, so our scheduling might be tricky. But that's why uh, I was saying okay. if we get to record this week, I'm just thinking of when we might be able to record. But let's just assume it's next week. And if it's not, it'll definitely be the week after. Anyway, the next episode is called Lazarus. And reading the description, I don't remember this one super well. So actually, I'm interested to rewatch this one because... Maybe I haven't seen this one as much as I've seen the others. Huh. Okay. Cool. I guess we'll all all experience it together, everybody. (laughs) Huzzah! Yep. Until next time, the truth is out there. Trust no one. Bye. Later. The FBI's Most Unwanted is a production of Two Broke Geeks Entertainment and is part of the Atomic Geekdom Network. Find the flagship Two Broke Geeks podcast wherever you download podcasts or online at twobrokegeeks.com. You can find the Atomic Geekdom Network at atomicgeekdom.com. Our artwork is by Justin Kowalski. You can find him on Twitter at J underscore Rocka. Our theme music is by Tony Longworth. You can find him on Twitter at Tony Longworth or on Facebook, Tony Longworth Dark Composer. You can help out the podcast by subscribing and leaving us a review. Thanks.